The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Jamie. Yes. I'm, I'm going to try something. Okay, Caitlin. <laughs> Long live the uh-huh. new flesh dull cast. <gasps> the, on the flesh dull cast. <laughs> the questions asked. Why is there a vagina in my stomach? <laughs> Uh someone remix it we don't have much time (laughs) and that passed that did that was a flood oh we should and now we get to we should do that every time we do a body horror movie is did it pass the the flesh the flesh doll test yeah is it fleshy enough i think this movie is going to be a hard yes although Mm. i honestly i mean maybe this is me being unwell okay possible i was kind of like wow i thought there would be more flesh you know the it takes a while for the flesh to get going and then it doesn't ramp up quite the way i was remembering i guess i'll talk about my history this is the kind of movie i i'd never well yeah i never i hadn't seen it but but like whenever i watch a cronenberg movie or a david lynch movie or any movie that's just like oh it's a weird it's a weird auteur guy Mm -hmm. i love it most of the time the david's the Davids are out there making weird shit. Yeah, Lynch is hit or miss for me. I, David Cronenberg almost never misses for me. It's <laughs> it's a whole lot of yes. But I always picture my like, I was doing it yesterday because uh, Sarah was staying with me. And I always picture my uncle trying to describe a body horror movie. And it really, 
enhances the experience for me. It's like, so there's this guy and his television has boobs and he's motorboating it. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to know what the fuck is going on. And I don't. <laughs> it's just, it's, I highly recommend just having an on. I do the same thing with Black Mirror episodes where he's like, mm-hmm. so this guy <laughs> is having sex with his computer in the port. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm kind of my that's a Black Mirror episode. internal monologue as <laughs> I'm watching all of these things in that exact accent. Also, Uncle Caitlin. <laughs> okay, this uh, and and this is a show that exists. Welcome to the Bechtel cast. <laughs> yes, this is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test and sometimes the Fleshtel test. Yeah, when when needed. When needed, simply as a jumping off point to initiate larger conversations about representation inclusivity all of that kind of stuff yes. um what is the Bechtel test though jamie well the Bechtel test uh is a media metric que- cre- i just <laughs> created uh-huh. created by queer cartoonists i understand where the words were getting mixed oh, up oh i see i just yeah. wanted to say queer so badly for some reason yeah of course okay created by queer cartoonist allison Bechtel sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test. A lot of versions of this test. It originally appeared as a joke in an 80s comic anthology called Dykes to Watch Out For, Mm -hmm. but it's since been adopted as a way to sort of uh, see how gender is treated in movies, which is usually bad. Mm -hmm. The version of the test we use requires that there be two people of a marginalized gender with names who talk to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue. That's it, Mm -hmm. low bar. Yeah, this movie does pass in a way that I thought was funny. Oh, I'm glad Great. you paid attention because I didn't, as per usual. Slay. Okay, well, <laughs> yes, it um, it does, but we'll we'll, we'll get there because we have to yeah. get our guest in here, a returning oh, yeah. a three timer, four timer, three, three. Yeah, that means you get a hat. <laughs> I wish we had hats. This means you get a, a fleshy VHS tape mm-hmm. that we'll mail to you. At five, we start promising that we'll get you a jacket, but the jacket never materializes. Never comes. Ooh. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Anyway, our guest is a writer. Her newest book, Candelaria, which is about a Guatemalan grandmother at the end of the world and how her granddaughters started it. Yeah started the apocalypse um it was just released so you can read it and buy it and do all the things with it now and you know her from our episodes on is it 13 going on 30 and spanglish mm-hmm. right okay what a legacy did we also did made in manhattan no no you made that up we did cover okay. that movie but that was with a different person all right <laughs> anyway it's <laughs> melissa lozada oliva hi welcome <laughs> back welcome <laughs> back <laughs> we love her first of all tell us about your book yes it's yeah it's so good so tell us about it um yeah so my book is it is about a guatemalan grandmother at the end of the world over the course of a day and then it goes back a year later and you see her Guatemalan American loser granddaughters uh, and the ways that they start the end of the world. And there is a fair amount of body horror stuff with television screens, cannibal, mm-hmm. unwanted pregnancies. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's my book. <laughs> we So we asked you when you're coming on to promote the book, we asked you to send us a list of movies that felt uh candelaria adjacent and you sent 
Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, uh-huh. Prometheus, Videodrome, and Splice. <laughs> so we are covering Videodrome by mis- Mr. David Cronenberg himself. Mm-hmm. What is your connection to Videodrome? When did you first see it? What's your relationship with, with David? Actually, I've never seen this movie before, except to come on this podcast. But my friend Oz Rodriguez, who did Vampires vs. the Bronx. Mm, um, cool. Book, and he was like, oh, you must love Videodrome. And I was like, I don't know. I've never seen that. And he was like, I think you would really uh, like it because there's a lot of there's like scenes that are similar in my book to to Videodrome with TVs and flesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like about it that could be fun <laughs> and i've and i've from what i've seen from the clips i've saw of video drum the the body horror effects are super goofy and that stuff is fun <laughs> i can't wait to read it it's so good uh it's the read of the year i love it wow nice it's so and also it just i don't know it's so i love reading books where i'm like i know where they are yeah i'm easy <laughs> I'm easy in that way. I was like, I know they're going to Coolidge Quarter Theater. What? They're just like me. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so it's so so good. I that's so funny that you haven't uh, that you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, I I feel like that comes up pretty frequently where everyone assumes that everyone's seen every movie on the planet, and you're like, no, I guess that me and David Cronenberg just both like the same kind of perverted stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was it's like, nice. I wonder why I thought of this also. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Also, I think I feel like I've seen. I mean, well, we can talk about it. I feel like movies like an ancestor for a few other horror movies like The Ring. And (laughs) I was getting strong Ring vibes from this movie because both of them are about you watch a mysterious videotape and then bad things start to happen. Yeah, I love. I I love. Both of those. I guess that this is just a subgenre that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin, what's your history with Videodrome slash the David Cronenberg expanded universe? So I'm not much of a Cronenberg head. I don't mind body horror if I feel like it's there for a reason. But I feel like, at least in Videodrome, I'm like, what does a vagina in your abdomen that you put VHS tapes into have mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. to do with the like corruption caused by the media kind of thing i don't know that he knows and i find that enjoyable i, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he had no idea what he was doing i don't know it, <laughs> it's kind of fun it's so circuitous it reminded me of like listening to my pediatrician talk about why watching tv was bad for you when i yeah. was little and mm-hmm. he's like and i was like why is it bad he's like it's just it just it's is definitely not good just because <laughs> right so i don't really know why the body horror is present i know why it is in something like the fly which i've seen and i haven't seen that one in a while i also hadn't Mm. seen videodrome in a really long time i watched uh, a handful of actually probably only two cronenberg movies in college and then i was like i don't think this is for me so i didn't watch any others but i have a limited experience with Cronenberg but I had seen Videodrome and I really only remembered the abdomen vagina VCR and the bulging TV that like throbs and is horny and that's pretty much it gotta love the horny TV (laughs) Jamie what's your history with 
Cronenberg in general and Videodrome. So I haven't seen, I had not seen Videodrome, uh, so I'm not, I don't know, I'd like, <sighs> Letterbox users do not come for me. You can like a director and not see every single fucking thing they've made. It scares me. Uh, it's, I'm so afraid of movie fans. Um, anyways. We're scary, yeah. <sighs> uh, but uh, I, I'm a David Cronenberg fan. I'd seen, I mean, I'd seen The Fly. Mm-hmm. I'd seen Shivers. I'd seen Both Crimes of the Futures. I'd seen a movie of his that I don't think people talk about very much. And I just, I don't remember if it's good but i definitely remember being affected by it dead ringers have either of you seen that one uh-uh. no oh it is uh it's jeremy irons and Ugh. genevieve bujold i don't know who that is uh but they play twin twin gynecologists oh my god and it's just like the most cronenberg thing of all time because uh-huh. it they you just start at gynecology like you don't need to like <laughs> go through leap through any hoops to get to where he wants you to be um i love body horror i don't need a reason for it really Mm -hmm. Uh, i do think cronenberg is so um so mommy like in the way that like where you're like well i think that that's where his problems lie that's my guess (laughs) it Mm -hmm. seems like maybe he has some things to work through um (laughs) and and maybe he hasn't but it's been fun to watch yeah i liked videodrome i love that it's gross i love that it's short oh my gosh I yeah i do like that love the horny tv and i think my general opinion is i felt like the back half of the movie moved way slower um uh, because i don't care about the james woods character i care about all of the women that he's meeting that call him ugly <laughs> i liked that part the best but then you get the horny TV at the end, so you know it's like mm-hmm. it's worth it's worth it's worth the ride. Sure. <laughs> I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? And I realized he played Hercules, and I think oh no, Her- he played Hades in Hercules. Hades. Yes, and I think mm-hmm. they modeled his face <laughs> into his. <laughs> it does kind of look. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's the. I mean, he is the absolute worst as a as a person oh really uh, yes yeah he has horrible politics just a oh. troll a, a ghoul of a man <laughs> and i also just hate him as a performer him and like kevin costner oh, I liked him as are just if they're in a movie i won't see it because of them i just hate seeing them on screen I don't know which one is Kevin Costner. I can't, I mix up all the my worst, Kevins. Man. I know I like Klein. I mean, obviously, no, no to Spacey, but uh, I think mm. I like Klein. I, I like Kevin that's Klein. My, it's my Kevin. Yeah. Well, and then of course Kevin Lemignon. And then, oh my God, Kevin the Minion, the best yeah. Kevin. <laughs> he belongs in. <laughs> he's an actor named Kevin. I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> no, you're not. Kevin Klein. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> Kevin Lemignon. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Videodrome, the movie by David Cronenberg that came out in 1983. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're so welcome. And before we do that, let's take a quick break and then we'll come Fine. back and talk about it. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back. And here is the recap for Videodrome. We meet Max Wren. That's James Woods. He's the president of a Toronto-based TV station, Channel 83, which shows kind of anything ranging from softcore porn to violent smut type stuff. And we see him going around wanting to buy various videos to put on his channel. Some of it he feels is too soft and not tacky enough. I'm just like, can you do like, could you do this in Canada? Is it a Canada <laughs> thing? I feel like on American TV, this would not fly. I'm not. I, I'm, I mean, can you show snuff movies on TV in Canada. <laughs> I doubt it. I think this is just like it takes place. In a world, in a world where porn somewhat is like our own, <laughs> easily <laughs> accessible on television. Oh, I love I love a strange and ominous distant near future. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Okay, so this is a Canada where you can show snuff films on TV, <laughs> and James Wood's <laughs> job is to find the scariest ones. Yes, yes, yes. And so Max Wren finds a show called Videodrome where a woman is being tortured and eventually murdered. And he thinks this is awesome. He thinks this is a great fit for his channel 83. And I like with it. Once they start saying Videodrome in this movie, 
the they, they never people stop. are saying videodrome <laughs> at least once a minute right and it's used as a noun it's used as an adjective it's used as a verb <laughs> as the movie people goes on they it, don't hear it at first and they're like what and then he's like videodrome <laughs> and then he spells right. it <laughs> wait i have my i took a screenshot of one part where i'm like this is getting ridiculous in a good way but it was uh <laughs> james woods like tell me about my videodrome problem and you're like <laughs> what are you talking like it's I really loved it. They talk about it like it's a place. At one point, it's a brain tumor. Sometimes it's just kind of a general vibe. Mm-hmm. You just don't really know. What? And it, by the end, I'm like, I'm I'm no clearer on what, what yeah. was going on with video. It's like, what is Videodrome? But it's also, what isn't Videodrome? Yeah. You know? And that's what makes <laughs> us <laughs> think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so goofy. I love it. I did too. So this guy, Harlan, is helping Max pirate video drum and what's going on with him is he what he keeps calling him patron <laughs> yeah right that's kind of his thing yeah. yes and he wears interesting shirts mm-hmm. and that's kind of all you need to know about. well actually no there's there's a good twist with him later there is kind of there crap. is um they think video drone is coming from malaysia but then they realize it's coming from pittsburgh shout out to Western Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh, I I'm like, do, does Pittsburgh claim this movie? Right. Are they like, mm. yeah, that's where all the fucked up stuff happens. <laughs> if it's too fucked up for Canada, it's it. You gotta go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I love Pittsburgh. Uh, Shout out the Ketchup Museum. Yes, yes, of course. Um, okay, so then Max is a guest on a talk show along with a guy named Professor Brian Oblivion. Great character name. Yes. <laughs> and a woman named Nikki Brand, played by Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry. She was so oh. cool in this. She was. I think maybe it's just her general hairstyle. When I looked at her first, I was like, is that Michelle Pfeiffer? But I think it was just her hair shape. I love when pop stars are in movies. Me too. And this was like a good pop star role because it didn't. she didn't need to be amazing. Right. It's kind of like when... Jennifer Lopez was in The Cell. Oh, yes. I love The Cell. <laughs> it's a oh. bizarre one. Yeah, that's like a subcategory. Pop pop girlies who cannot really act, but if, but if, but if cast correctly, it's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so all of these guests on this talk show are talking about erotic media and its effect and influence on society and it's making me think and we're thinking about it Mm -hmm. but max is horny and he's like hey nikki you want to go out to dinner with me he asks her on air television yeah (laughs) that scene is I, I I think I really liked it. It's so bizarre. I had to rewatch that scene several times to be like, what? Really weird. Because it's, I mean, it's it's interesting that, like, we do know, say what you will about how women are portrayed in this movie. <laughs> and we will but, say things about it. But we do know what everyone's job is. And everyone's job is very weird. It's like, mm-hmm. and she, I don't, it's so bizarre because it's, in that scene, Nikki says the right thing and has the right values and then immediately does the opposite. And I was like, oh, I feel kind of seen by that. Right. Like, I I, <laughs> I, I also know what my values are and constantly disobey them. Right. Um, the second I get 1% horny. So not, <laughs> not to mention, because she's just like, we live in an overstimulated society and I think that's bad. <laughs> and then he's like... Well, what about that red dress you're wearing, you hypocrite? 
And I'm like, excuse me. And then she's like, yeah, I, the red dress is a bit much. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> I thought I really appreciated the uh, the host of the show. I thought she she was really trying to keep things on yeah, track while James like, Wood. Yeah, there the guest like w- was being actively sexually harassed, but was like, no, this is cool. And <laughs> poor poor Rena, she's just trying to keep things. She's she's talking to a dead guy on a videotape, doesn't even know it. <laughs> Rena is just in it. She's trying to say that sex and violence on television in Canada is not good. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> anyway, so they go on the date, Max and Nikki, and she's like, let's watch porn. It puts me in the mood. And then she puts on Videodrome. And despite its violent nature, she really likes it. Yeah. Cut to them naked. And while they're having sex or like, you know, I don't know, hornily canoodling, she hornily canoodling, Caitlin Durante. (laughs) Or noodling. Yeah. I swear to God. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if he's inside her, but they are canoodling and it's horny. So (laughs) I was I I rewatched The Fly recently and I wonder is (laughs) Jeff Goldblum's character in The Fly has the, you know his his mattress is basically on the floor mm-hmm. which makes sense with the character james woods i'm like all these men have beds that are very low to the ground and you would think if he owns a tv station he could he has afford i a, have to believe he frame. has the budget for it but i'm just like what is it with all these bed frameless um uh, protagonists yeah he must Cronenberg must sleep on the floor himself. Oh He's, yeah, yeah. But he does. It gets it's something something creative juices. Yeah. <laughs> I used to sleep on a mattress on the floor. I feel like that is unfairly gendered. Where they're like, oh, yeah, deadbeat guys. Like a series of like plastic tubs from IKEA. Ooh. And I was like, this is fine. And my bed. But was that's like, <laughs> that's craft. That's elevation. <laughs> it feels like a very late 2010s kind of meme of like, ugh. This guy doesn't even have a bed frame. I was like, I look, I can't talk. Best I slept classes. on the floor for a full year. There was a mouse that crawled in my bed. Oh and my then God. I had to sleep in the bed with my roommate who I shared a room with. That's beautiful. <laughs> the struggle is universal. <laughs> if you don't have a bed frame, you are seen. Yes. Uh, anyway, back to horny canoodling. Oh, God. Now, Max cannot get Videodrome out of his head. And now he wants all of the shows he buys for his TV station to be more scandalous and violent like Videodrome Mm -hmm. because he thinks that's what's next in adult entertainment. And he wants this woman who he works with, Masha, to find out who makes Videodrome so that he can acquire it legally, I guess. Okay, Masha, awesome character. Mm -hmm. I know. Why didn't we get more Masha? Seriously. She... I, one of the many, I like, again, one of the things that I like about this movie is James Wood's character is a scumbag who sucks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Cronenberg loses track of that because he expects us to care about him the whole time, which I didn't. Right. But yeah. whenever he encounters a woman, she lets him know that he's a scumbag who isn't as hot as he thinks he is. And I really <laughs> liked that. Masha does it. She's like, eh, you're a little old for me. Yeah. And Debbie, Debbie <laughs> Harry, she's like, well, this has been a fun, you know, two time hookup, but I'm moving to Pittsburgh. Fuck you. <laughs> right. Like you're just like, good, good. Yeah. People should bail on this guy. He's the worst. I also, when you're talking about Cronenberg's mommy problems, I was like, <laughs> 
Maybe Masha. Masha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, ugh, even my mom doesn't want to hook up with me. Even my mom thinks I'm old. Yeah, isn't there a part where he's like, ooh, we could take a shower together. And she's like, mm, how about this hot young waiter who's next to me? I'm going to hit on him instead. I loved Masha. I wish, Same. yes, more, not enough Masha. Yeah. Not enough any of the women because I also Masha 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 <laughs> I also loved Bianca but we'll get to her yes and I liked Bridie too yes mm-hmm. um anyway so Nick and Max are still hooking up and she tells him that she's going to Pittsburgh to audition for Videodrome but he doesn't think it's safe he doesn't want her to do it And then she deliberately burns herself with a cigarette to show him that she means business or something. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. He's just sort of Cronenberging out that one. That was a fun scene to watch, too, because it just keeps cutting between them. Mm -hmm. And James Woods is like, I don't know. He's just like, stop. uh, Stop. (laughs) uh." She's like, no, I won't stop. uh." (laughs) (laughs) cool awesome good job you guys (laughs) good job so the next day max meets with masha again and she's like look videodrome is bad news what you see on the show the torture the mutilation the murder it's not acting it's real Ah. what and then she tells him that a guy named brian oblivion is connected to videodrome in some way and he's like, oh, I know him. I was on a talk show with him, I was, sort of. <laughs> with him. Right. He's like, oh, actually, I was sexually harassing uh, <laughs> someone while he was talking. So right. like, we're basically friends. Rolled out on a TV screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then Max goes to pay a visit to Brian Oblivion. But his whole thing is that he refuses to be in the same room as people. He's only willing to be seen on a TV screen. Or he has his daughter, Bianca, be his liaison. And then Max is like, okay, well, mention Videodrome to him. And then I think he will want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Then Max's assistant, Bridie, comes to his house to bring him a videotape. And he's now like hallucinating this like bizarre, violent stuff. He has this vision where he assaults Bridie but then it's actually Nikki but then he actually didn't assault any but it's we'll come back to that scene that was yeah 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 and then she leaves and then he watches the tape and on it is Professor Brian Oblivion telling him about Videodrome and at this point they're saying Videodrome about every one second a lot yes what's Videodrome oh and the tape is breathing when he puts it in it starts to breathe yeah it's like pulsing it's great it's It's so fun the effects in this movie I mean it like kind of goes without saying the effects in this movie are absolutely they're cool wonderful what did they use do you think I I haven't looked into um, who does his practical effects although when I was rewatching the fly recently um i wonder if it's the same person because the fly won an oscar for special effects because it was whoa so i mean deserved yeah he really did turn into a fly if you recall (laughs) Uh, (laughs) let's see yes indeed yes i think uh i think it's the same guy rick baker Mm. everything's so slimy it's so good it's slimy it's throbbing throbbing balloony Mm -hmm. oh wait no sorry he didn't do he did another movie that i watched 
recently called Rat Boy. Whoa. But that's for another day. I was just, I'm, I'm having a hard time right now. So I'm, I'm <laughs> watching a lot of Rat Boy. Watching things like Rat Boy. Rat Boy. <laughs> Robert like Townsend is in it. He's really good. Oh, wow. It's a bit essentially, yes. And it came out the same year. So I feel like, you know, the fly. He was like using the same materials. Yeah, unfortunately. Wait, um, did Rick okay, so Baker do? He didn't do uh, Videodrome. Okay, he but he did. Do... He did. He did Videodrome. Okay, got it. Other things he's done include The Exorcist. Mm. He did Rat Boy. Awesome. <laughs> he he worked on Star Wars. Wow. He did the thriller music video special effects. Um, he did that freaky um, Beauty and the Beast Ron Perlman TV show that I love. That Linda was Hamilton, yes. Ron Perlman. Oh, yeah. Wow. I love that. Oh, my God. So good. He did Gremlins 2, the new batch. Wow, he's okay. so uh, prolific. Yeah. He's got, he, oh, my God. He did Jim Carrey Grinch. <gasps> okay, Rick really? Baker. Yes. He did The Haunted Mansion 2003, which we just covered. He wow. did The Ring. Whoa. He did. Yeah. He did Maleficent. Well, he did The Ring and Videodrome. And Videodrome. It makes you think. It all comes back together. We all go through the abdomen slit (laughs) together and out Pittsburgh. We wear the slits we bore in life. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Mm -hmm. not the same guy as the fly, but (laughs) accomplished guy. Yeah. I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Thank you. Um, okay, so we're seeing Professor Oblivion talk about Videodrome and how he started having hallucinations that caused a tumor in his brain, not the other way around, where like a tumor that he had was causing the hallucinations. And then he's like, and then when the doctors removed the tumor, it was Videodrome. And then you're like, well, so what, what is No. What? No, I just thought I figured out what video drum was, and now I'm back at square one. It's a, it's like Hakuna Matata. It's just, it's just a feeling. Uh, that's right. like part. I mean, that's what's fun about David Cronenberg's movies is like very often people are just saying shit. They're yeah. just mm-hmm. saying whatever. They're just like, all right, and then we cut to the, to the stomach vagina. And you're like, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Um, Okay, so then Nikki shows up in this video and strangles Brian Oblivion. And then she's like, We want you, Max. And then his TV starts throbbing and bulging. And then he makes out with it. So then the lady from Blondie is in the television. (laughs) The television has boobs. It's horny. You can stick your head in it. I had no fucking clue what was going on. (laughs) Five stars. Yep. Okay, so then Max discovers that Brian Oblivion died nearly a year ago, that he helped to create Videodrome, but then when he realized what it did to people, he tried to shut it down, but Brian Oblivion's business partners didn't want that, so they murdered him. And then Max starts having even more visions. He hallucinates that this huge gap opens up in his abdomen, aka his vagina VCR, and he shoves his whole hand inside and puts With a gun, a gun, a gun. in the there. What? And then it. <laughs> that's a. I mean, that's a perfect reveal. That he, yeah. There's that he's just dated a gun. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. I wonder if it's like the metaphor is like the video tape 
is just as dangerous <gasps> as a golden. <laughs> Whoa, makes me think. We're thinking like, again. I was like, did oh, I, I was it's so funny because you're like the intent who knows yeah <laughs> yeah you just probably thought it'd look cool <laughs> yeah yeah it wouldn't it be cool if there was a gun in the stomach slit and it's like yeah it would be cool and it was <laughs> i liked it but <laughs> i was like yeah men gestate violence and oh. destruction and and then it's like we're just smarter than the movie probably yeah <laughs> yeah i think but... it's just, just like rick could we fit a gun in this? yeah you think <laughs> Yeah, or like put a videotape in the well. What is it called now? I just want to say slit. What was it called in the video machine in the VCR? In the in the you put the video drum in the video drum to watch video drum. Watch video drum. As a result, video. (laughs) Then you start video drumming all over the place. But the action's a little bit like fucking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and it feels all very video drum. Yeah. Yes. Mm. The more we talk about this movie, the more I like it. Unfortunately, <laughs> just like... and the more I dislike it. So that's yay a classic fleshdel cast conversation. <laughs> I so I I had a great time. Yeah. Nice. Well, glad somebody did. Um, okay, so then a man named Barry Convex, great name, approaches Max, and Barry Convex works for a corporation that makes video. Video question mark and they also when did the were the glasses always around? like i was like wait when, how when did we go to a glasses store so he's like yeah my company manufactures and supplies eyeglasses for i think he said like developing nations or third world countries or something like that and we work with NASA to make like missiles or something. I don't know. Video video drum. Well, yeah, they work with NATO. Right, and also <laughs> they make video drum. Yeah. And Max learns that the videos he has previously seen were just tests, and that they will be launching video drum to the public soon. And Barry Convex wants to record one of Max's hallucinations and analyze it because he's concerned for Max and what might happen to him. So then they like induce this hallucination and Max has a vision where he's whipping Nikki, but then we pull out to reveal that he's actually whipping a TV set that has Masha on it. And she's like feeling the pain of of being whipped. Yeah. And then suddenly he's out of the hallucination, or is he? But he's in bed. Video (laughs) drum. And that's video drum. That's a classic (laughs) video drum moment. But he's he's in bed next to Masha, who appears to be dead. So Max calls Harlan to come over and take pictures, but then Masha's body is nowhere to be found, almost as if Max also hallucinated that. So then Max goes to the video lab where they pirate and record Videodrome because Max wants to see last night's broadcast. I think he thinks that maybe his hallucination would be Videodrome or something. Again, don't understand. (laughs) But he learns that there was no Videodrome transmitted last night. In fact, there was never a transmission of Videodrome. What? (gasps) Because what was happening was Harlan was playing Max 
pre-recorded tapes to get him involved in Videodrome. So it's also a recruitment tool. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. And then Barry Convex shows up again and he's like, yeah, Videodrome is a scum show and only degenerate losers would like it. And that's why we're going to use your TV station to start broadcasting Videodrome to a wide audience. Are they trying? So it was like they they're like, you like this? We're going to kill you. Or like, are we going to are they trying to kill the viewers? Okay, so I didn't quite understand until I consulted scholarly journal Wikipedia. Uh Okay, And I believe Barry Convex's goal is he wants to like put an end to this like media induced cultural decay by literally my pediatrician's message (laughs) right (laughs) and they're gonna do this by giving brain tumors like terminal brain tumors to anyone who is so obsessed with sex and violence that they would watch videodrome so they're deliberately killing people who they think are like degenerates by showing them Videodrome, knowing that it will kill them. <laughs> like, I watched this movie, I did not get that. Because <laughs> well, it's not very clear. Like, whoa. No. Which, at least, is a part of this movie's legacy, is that it's, I, I was reading about the production history and, like, how the first time, the original cut of the movie was, like, under 80 minutes long, and you really could not tell what was going on. <laughs> and David Cronenberg, yeah. I mean, I really like his interviews. He was like, yeah, I guess I cut the part where you learned that Max works at the TV station. So people got really confused. <laughs> so I do feel, I don't know. It, I, I don't, that also wasn't clear to me on the first viewing. It took me the, till the second viewing to like have it come across clearly, which is so bizarre because they're talking about Videodrome all the time, but because you can't really understand what it is based on how they talk about it, you're like, well, I don't, how could I possibly, maybe my brain is too small. No, but no, I think it's, it's not super clear. It's not clear. And cause the, yeah. those guys also like Barry Convex makes it seem like Videodrome is awesome until he's like, no, it's not. I want to use it to kill people. <laughs> and it's like, you, but bitch. wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I love it. So then the vagina slit VCR thing in Max's abdomen opens up again and Barry Convex shoves a videotape of something. I don't know if it's Max's recorded hallucination into it or it's something else or if it's just Videodrome. What is Videodrome? Anyway, whatever's on the videotape seems to be telling Max to kill his business partners and give channel 83 to barry because barry wants to use channel 83 to broadcast videodrome so that people will watch it and die yeah so then max reaches into his vagina vcr in his abdomen and pulls out the the gun gun from yeah that he stored in there it just wasn't ready before it was it was still he still had a a bun in the oven more like gun in the oven (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> Ooh, I knew that was gonna get Caitlin. Wow! Yes. I love uh, a pun in the oven. <laughs> also, he so he's like kind of gregnant with a gun. If you think about it, yeah, the gun's name is Greg. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he pulls the Greg the gun out, <laughs> and the gun kind of permanently fuses to his 
hand, Love but it. only sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it's attached to his hand. Sometimes his right. he just has a regular hand. It says it's a normal gun. <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing. But I loved I love the reveal when he goes to like the dance show uh, mm-hmm. shortly after. <laughs> he's just sitting at a table. He's like, then he pulls out his gun hand, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, real, really cool. That's, and it's fucking like slimy and like ew. huge. It's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like it really hurts. I've been enjoying recently when I, where I watch a movie and something is like so dramatic but doesn't quite hit for me to just sell, say like, "Wow, really cool" to the screen. <laughs> cool. Just to take him down a peg. Got yeah. his ass. Got his ass. Wow, really cool, James Wood. Gun hand. Really cool. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah. Um, I fully was watching this like that was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a cool effect. It is. Yeah. Um, really cool. Okay. So then Max goes to his own TV station and shoots his business partners with his gun hand. And then he goes to kill Bianca Oblivion. And she's like, no, don't. Because Videodrome is brainwashing you to do this. And Videodrome killed Nikki Brand or someone killed Nikki Brand but anyway she's been dead the whole time yeah I think which is also like well then how the hell do we talk about her on the fucking show <sighs> she's been dead the whole time yeah. and I, I uh, video drum you know <laughs> video drum yeah um, okay and then a TV set reaches out with a fleshy hand and yes. shoots max but it doesn't kill him it just switches the channel away from the video drum that's you know kind of controlling his thoughts and movements and mm-hmm. now he's compelled by the idea of death to video drone, long live the new flesh yeah yeah which is what is he saying but also sounds cool when he says it it sounds cool. Yeah. Also, it's like the first time that they've said it, and there's like 10 minutes left in the movie. And, <laughs> and they like, just keep saying hey. it for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that phrase we know and love and didn't Long just hear 10 minutes ago. Yes. Um, okay, so then Max goes back to Harlan, who puts this like fleshy, throbbing VHS tape into the vagina vcr it's cheering cheering we love it mm-hmm. we're like woohoo but his slit eats off harlan's hand mm. and then harlan explodes very teeth 2009 vibes yeah. very teethy true yes then max goes to barry convex's trade show where people are dancing that's what you were talking about jamie and max shoots barry convex while he's yelling, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. He gets on the microphone and says it. <laughs> yeah. And then he does a mic drop. And like, well, okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you say? Everyone at that trade show is just like, well, this weird thing happened at one point. But other than that, it was a lovely event. <laughs> uh, I love my new glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so he kills Barry Convex. And then Barry Convex's guts and brains are like wriggling their way out of his body. And then Max runs off and goes to the harbor and goes into this like condemned ship. And inside is another TV set 
and Nikki Brand is on it. And she's like, okay, you damaged Videodrome, but you didn't kill it. It still exists. And to fully destroy it, you have to move on to the next phase. Like Jesus. Which means that he has to become the new flesh and get rid of the old flesh. Uh A.K.A. Uh he has to kill his human body so that he can live inside of a tv or something mm-hmm. and... it was very he has risen you know <laughs> yeah at the yeah. end yeah at the end i was like jesus i despise this character so much you are not gonna sell me on a christ allegory at the very end of this damn movie mm-hmm. nice yeah. try david i don't think so five so stars like you die- he died twice for our sins yeah i got uh i got oh our sins oh my god (laughs) jesus also famously (laughs) had a gun in his stomach so (laughs) it makes sense um okay so max realizes what he has to do which he does he puts his gun that's fused to his hand up to his head he says long live the new flesh and then the movie cuts to black as we hear a gunshot And that's Mm. the end of the movie. Mm. So let's take another quick break and we'll come back to discuss. To Videodrome. And then Videodrome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts 
as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Videodrome. We're back. back. It's Videodrome. To Videodrome. <laughs> You're watching Videodrome, and that's messed up, Videodrome, or Videodrome. is it? But what it is. It? What but if... Is it? What if the Bechtel cast has the same effect on people as Videodrome, oh. and it's like brainwashing. <laughs> it makes them want to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Anyway, where do we start? Oh boy. Um, well, I I kind of I mean let's let's start by talking about women, <laughs> as we have been known to do from sure. time to time over the years. Yeah, yeah. I think that like it's Cronenberg. I, I was sort of reviewing the many waves of discourse that has gone around uh, about david cronenberg's movies because they're so body horror focused because they're very often body horror focused in a way that feels like explicitly like uh, things are happening to women or it's about women Mm -hmm. um yeah and there's been a few different ways like some i think um i read some mid 2010s discourse that um argues his entire body of work is inherently misogynist which i disagree with but then there's moments where i don't like (laughs) i think i just find him confusing enough that i may be overly excusing things Mm. but there's i I don't know as far as videodrome goes i'm not like offended by anything that is being explored i just am like wow this guy really has some things to figure out about (laughs) yeah (laughs) how he feels about um I don't know. I don't know. What did, what did what did you all think about? I guess especially with like the body horror specifically, and then we can go, sort of go character by character. Mm. A stomach vagina, I'd say. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've talked about vagina monsters in a lot of yeah. movies, yeah. and specifically which horror movies, which he is a huge proponent of. And I think that like I guess the closest you can get is with the with the various vagina monsters we've covered it's like usually a male auteur that maybe sees a vagina as something very threatening and confusing that wants to destroy and there's elements of that here because it's like the that is like the thing that you are inserting the tape into very heteronormative body horror Mm -hmm. in order to like destroy but then he like uses it it starts being this like freaky thing and then it becomes him and then he, the character like accepts it and it's almost good i don't know right well yeah it's like by what? the end of the movie oh, this movie's so confusing yeah because it's like there are certain because we've got a variety of slits here we've got mm-hmm. uh the video drone slit and that that is like a source of evil and chaos but then by the end the james wood stomach slit is a source is like what saves him but also he kills people with it. So you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> it is safe to say that David Cronenberg's a big fan of the vagina monster. There's, I, may, ugh, I really want to rewatch the twin gynecologist movie because um, there, maybe that's a, a Patreon thing, but um, it's just bizarre. And like, I, I think part of, because I just rewatched the fly as well. It's interesting that these are usually, it's like the male protagonist that's undergoing the body horror physical transformation Mm, and women Mm -hmm. suffer as a result of it. Women bear witness to it, but it's mostly like the body horror is their problem. It's not something that 
they are experiencing yeah yeah. Right. Which... yeah like at the end nikki's like you're still changing and it's like she's talking to like a little sister getting her period or something <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's still you're still becoming like the woman you need to be or i don't know or, or like gina davis and the fly like she's just taking care of Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. as he turns into a fly, showing him compassion and sympathy and like, you know, stuff that like, good qualities, but it's just like, yeah, this is just her problem. <laughs> this, yeah. And I think that that is like an interesting thing to explore. I don't think it's done particularly well in Videodrome though. Um, I guess I appreciate that because so much body horror in horror movies is at the expense of women. And it's like, look at this woman who is like, over 50 right and or not attractive by traditional western beauty standards and therefore she's a hag who is like slimy and rotting and all the body horror is like right at the expense of her like size and age and it's just like a very heightened grossness that is attributed to yeah or like connected with or conflated with mm-hmm. like an older woman that's what right. so much of body horror is so i appreciate that the movie isn't doing that but i think it's just <sighs> i think that I women don't... are just like sort of incidental to this story in right. a way that right. makes it and <laughs> so i think like yeah having and again this is like very obviously we're like I don't want to be overly prescriptive in describing uh, women as inherently connected to vaginas, but it, the way mm-hmm. that like, it's, it's bizarre to see so much vagina specific body horror while most of the women are incidental to the story. Right. Um, you're like, yeah, it feels like having it both ways in a way that feels undercooked. I don't know. I, I feel like mm. there are some directors in their body of work where you can feel kind of an open hostility towards women and I don't feel that in David Cronenberg's work I think he just kind of like doesn't understand them well enough to write them I wonder he seems really like fascinated because I mean I mean I I feel like I would argue that he's like I don't know having the slit is making him like a woman again not saying that having a vagina makes you a woman but it seems like he's like really fascinated by like female suffering and he's like that must be so hard mm-hmm. to have all these holes and like things go into them <laughs> and things come out of them like let's explore and that <laughs> and i don't understand yeah i think he's like i get the impression that he's like scared of women <laughs> yeah right which is like good he should be uh <laughs> he should be afraid of us but like i, I don't know I, it it feels like a curiosity fascination that never I mean really and even though I'm a fan of his work he never quite he never gets it it's so funny Mm because it's like when you watch like a Julia Ducourneau movie she gets it frame one Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's but like I feel like Cronenberg has like spent a lot of his career being like women what's going on there what's going on with their bodies and how do I (laughs) and he doesn't quite get there but I don't think it's like an offensive 
att- or for the most part, at least in the space of this movie, I just am like, he's just a little all over the place with it. Yeah. Right. And I, I guess I wish, well, actually, Caitlin, speaking to your point, yeah, that like y- you see, I always think of um, The Shining when we talk about like mm-hmm. making a woman over 50 just inherently grotesque, the scariest thing. The Shining, the Vivitch, yeah. Suspiria 2018, oh, which we just, right. yeah. just discussed. There's mm-hmm. countless examples. Right. So, so many. And the way that feels just like, oh, this is a reflection of the values of who's making it. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, well, older woman equals scary, grotesque, nasty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you have in with Masha, you do have an older woman in this movie who is, I mean, she does experience, that's the tricky part, because it's like Masha is just kind of generally a fabulous character. And mm-hmm. like, she is not subject to the kind of like, leering cruelty that you would often see older women be subject to she's almost sexualized also like yeah like she's like a cool horny older lady but then as the movie it's the same thing with the debbie harry character where it feels like they're being presented pretty non-judgmentally but then Mm -hmm. they experience suffering later on well right so this is what i don't i mean well this is what i don't get and i also don't get everything else but (laughs) (laughs) so every woman you see is brutalized at some point in the movie either by max wren actually physically or it's a part of his hallucination or maybe it's always him hallucinating but like but some of it's self-inflicted or is it just max wren hallucinating that because you see various like when nikki burns herself with a cigarette and or she wants max to like inflict cutting on her so i don't know what to make of any of that because the movie is also asking us the movie is like hey let's root for this guy or at least the movie is following a man who like is obsessed with snuff film where women are being brutalized he thinks it's awesome he hears that it's real and that women are actually dying it doesn't deter him he is like yeah more of this um and then yeah you see various scenes where he assaults a woman or hallucinates that he has assaulted a woman right and but it's like it that's what it's so confusing to me that by the end we're supposed to be like yeah james woods because it felt are we like i don't i don't don't know know. that's the confusing like well i feel like in like a like another David, the other David Lynch, who's like, like Twin Peaks, that Bob character is supposed to represent like the evils of man, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe David Cronenberg is like, James Woods is like the evils of man. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's trying to do like a pro woman thing in this movie, but like in a really goofy way that <laughs> not necessarily effective, but him being like, you see how bad men can be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that came through, that came through for me at a bunch of points but yeah it's, i mean it whatever this is just like kind of classic auteur man director thing where it's like yeah, yeah this is a pro-women movie where all of the women are brutalized and right. uh they disappear halfway through the movie but it is exactly. very pro-women it's, it's, and <laughs> i have proof and you're like exactly all right, whatever but like yeah i i mean i don't think that we're supposed to be like cheering for james woods i think it's just because the movie becomes so narrowly focused on him specifically as the movie yeah. goes on because we, we get this spread of a lot of interesting characters yeah. but then they're you know 
whatever killed off brutalized were dead the whole time all this confusing Unclear, stuff and yeah there are so which is wild because there's so many interesting women in the space of this story that kind of like get lost i think mm-hmm. nikki i don't love her arc but she has one but it's like masha she kind of disappears right. bianca like that sort of gets dropped a little bit i'm like bring back poor rena the host like bridie is just sort of a witness to violence and keep showing up for james woods anyways there's a lot of women in this movie but they but right. like they don't have and and i liked uh with the bianca character i liked where you sort of start with her where she's you know i mean it, it turns out she's saying this because her dad has been dead for a year uh but she's like yeah, my father and i don't have conversations he has we have he he does monologues and like right. examining <laughs> that and like yeah, that, that father daughter relationship and you're like that's interesting but then it kind of gets dropped as well i don't know there was so much interesting stuff presented in this movie and i think i just was sort of bummed that it ends up zoning in on what it does because it felt like there was a lot to explore if it's if the movie is like commentary on you know the the corruption and the moral decay of society that is caused by mass media and like excessive violence and like exploited sexuality on tv Mm -hmm. which i was like okay what is that what Cronenberg is trying to say? Like, what has he said about this movie and yeah. like what his intentions are with it? And I found a quote in an interview where Cronenberg says, quote, it's very hard for me to say what Videodrome is about. In a sense, I think it's totally misleading to say it's a criticism of television or that it's an extension of network. I think he's referring to another movie he made called Network of Blood, but I also don't know what he means by that. Anyway, back to the quote. Uh, I think it's totally misleading to say that it's a criticism of television or that it's an extension of network or something like that. It really is exploring what I've been doing all along, which is to see what happens when people go to extremes in trying to alter their total environment to the point where it comes back and starts to alter their physical selves. Unquote. I think he's referring to the movie network, which is also about TV. I thought that too, maybe. Huh. Right, exactly. So that is possibly what he meant as well. In any case, that quote is just as confusing to me as the plot <laughs> of the movie. So I still don't know quite what he's saying or what his intentions were with video drama. Yeah. He's just like, I just have some ideas that I want to <laughs> explore. I just thought horny tv and kind of just like went from there but has like everyone ever <laughs> left for the day and you're home alone and you get horny because you want to watch porn <laughs> but like what if that was like a cool smart movie yeah. um yeah i i don't th- I've, that's surprising to hear because i felt like that was like what the movie was circling around mm-hmm. which yeah. i don't even think it, like i don't even disagree with that message it feels dated in a way where it's like I don't know, sex and violence on TV is corrupting our children. Yeah, it's very like Reagan era kind of messaging. And it's interesting seeing it in kind of like an artsy movie. Uh This like sort of, it feels like a very like, I don't know, authoritative like this. I remember having to write an essay about why violence on TV was bad for me in the fifth grade (laughs) in like whatever, the 2000s. And it's like, this is just like messaging that's been coming at us forever. And it's, 
I mean, it's obviously a more complicated issue than that. I, I like, yeah, I don't think, you know, young people should watch a shitload of sex and violence on TV. But I think when it's like prescribed to everyone where it's like no one can watch sex. And also the the fact that and I think that Cronenberg I don't know. Maybe maybe he isn't trying to say this, but like conflating sex and violence as like equally damaging images to take in, mm-hmm. because that those are always the two things that are brought up as like, well, this is what's fucking people up, and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to say violence is, yeah, but but sex not so much, right? But I don't. I mean, apparently he he didn't mean any of that in that way. And so, so who I don't know. knows, but I still think like, I, you know, he's focused on the extreme of what mm-hmm. people might do in response to like being influenced by sex and violence. I keep thinking of yeah. the fucking theme song for Family Guy, where she's like, violence in movies and sex on TV. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we should cover Family Guy on this show. Oh, oh my okay. God. Um, but I guess he's like criticizing the extreme yeah. of what that might do to people. But I also, right. I don't know. I'm just like, it feels like a weird, oh, you're you're blaming people for being corrupted by mm-hmm. media without stopping to think like, okay, so who is making <laughs> most of mass media? Why are those people making this media? What are their values? what do they think is marketable well, and the I answer feel like that's what the max character is doing though right like he kind of represents the like curator right. aspects of mm-hmm. like and and the shame like i guess melissa going back to like him not being a character we're rooting for is that like he is the one that is curating all of this like with with no care about like who's going to see it it's just about profits and keeping the station mm-hmm. on air so i feel like there is like com- but again it, it's it, it gets so muddled that it's confusing especially by the end where it's yeah. like, like right if he's like an i guess not even an anti-hero because we're not like i'm not yeah. on board with anything he's doing but if the movie is trying to comment on something then why do we keep following his journey and then it's like okay he has to destroy video drone but it's not because of any conclusion he draws himself it's because like right. his brainwashing just got switched over to now bianca oblivion is brainwashing him or kind of controlling him or something yeah. and mm-hmm. it's all just too i don't know it's just one of those movies where it's like it's <laughs> It's too experimental almost to uh, actually have like a is, clear narrative. So it's yeah. hard to analyze in any meaningful way. Yeah. It's hard to meet the movie where it's at because I have no idea where it's at. I know. I Yeah. I think it's like a part of a league of or just like a string of movies where men are concerned about technology becoming autonomous. And yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe in a way technology is woman. Oh. <gasps> Video drone. Right, right. Well, that's like the other thing too is like, yeah, woman, woman is machine. Woman <laughs> like, is machine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
we talked a little bit about Nikki. I wanted to just go back to her for a second because she's a very confusing mm-hmm. character. Yeah. And then you're sort of told like, well, don't worry about how confusing it was because she was dead. And so it, she was a hallucination. So like, mm. don't worry about it. The inception effect. Yes. Always yes. Yeah. yeah. I kind of thought that they like knew each other already in like a Better Call Saul way where I was like, <laughs> oh, they're... And they're just I'm confused about like how she could have been dead the whole time if we see her in person so much. It's like she was on TV. I'm assuming other people could see her. She couldn't have been in a hallucination. Wait, she was dead the whole time or when she went to Pittsburgh? Not clear. Anyways, so it is it is the inception effect where you're like, well, can we even talk about this character as a woman if she strictly theoretically exists as the projection of a man? Right. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of doing it anyways, (laughs) one thing I I did like, I don't know, and I, I probably accidental from Cronenberg, but how she like said like, yeah, there is too much sex and violence on TV and I, I worry about how it affects people. And then she like immediately bails on anything she was saying the second that she gets horny. I was like, okay, I've done that. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh Um, But, and then like, she's, you know, into like sadomasochistic stuff. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I've seen that presented worse in movies where it's like, at very least like in the scenes where it happens, there is, I was, I was like, okay, 1983, like there is like, consent involved yeah Um, and she says like this turns me on i want you to do this to me and so it it i don't know i think in a way that if that those conversations hadn't happened it would have been creepy ghoulish and Mm -hmm. stuff that we see pretty frequently it's something that she wants yeah it's something that she asks for and uh you know whatever he's happy to do it and that's their business but I don't know. I, I just wanted to give that little crumb of like, all right, good job, movie. Consent um, yeah. took place. But I don't know exactly what the movie is saying. About, it also seems to be conflating like like a sadomasochistic kink with... Corruption. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And that she's doing this because of... Like sh- she has this kink because she's been corrupted and hypnotized and bamboozled right like it's part of the moral decay of society you can can only be kinky if you've watched video (laughs) drum you're like well no some people are kinky and then they go to work Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah yeah i don't know again a mixed bag Mm -hmm. but i was uh surprised uh consent being presented at all in a movie from the early 80s true um and then we have i mean we've talked about Masha I feel like she's just like a generally underserviced character and then she comes back to be like we she disappears and then she comes back to be abused Abused. and then she's really gone yeah Mm -hmm. Bianca I think is a really interesting character who is also kind of dropped throughout the movie I don't know yeah we just had a lot of interesting beginnings Mm -hmm. right and And no follow-through I mean I guess Bianca comes back around because she's the one who's like I release you from your like control videodrome has over you but now you have to carry out my agenda of death to videodrome long live the new flesh Mm -hmm. which like you know i don't know what that means but it's a woman in charge but it's active it's (laughs) active yeah um yeah i mean she's like running her dad's weird business question mark Mm -hmm. after after he dies i mean she's she 
definitely moves the plot forward quite a bit. It, but just like like with most of the characters, you're like, what is going on with her? I like, don't, yeah. <laughs> Despite knowing that her philosophy is long live the new flesh, because I don't exactly understand what that means or what her actual values are, I could not like ever get a handle on what she actually wants or what she's trying to do because she's so cryptic in the way she talks right right (laughs) which she takes after her father in that way yes uh but yeah I mean I I think it would have been interesting and again was just given her more to do and like if maybe she had had a different vision for Videodrome than her father it wasn't just carrying out his wishes and was like had her own vision Mm -hmm. or I mean there are so many ways that this movie could have been just as like gross and confusing and the many women we meet could have been like more meaningfully involved and it had um, like moved the plot along in a more interesting way. Especially yeah. because like all of the, I mean, <laughs> Videodrome, whatever it may be. <laughs> but when we see it, when it's, when it's the version of him watching a videotape or some like broadcast or what he thinks is a broadcast where it's a naked woman being brutalized and it's unclear if it is acting it's unclear if it's actually real it's unclear if this woman is like consenting to what's happening or if she's not whatever it is because it's so unclear you you just sort of have to maybe guess that she's being tortured against her will and then apparently murdered and I guess my point is like because so much of the violence we see is directed at women Mm -hmm. why then do we not see like women try to rise up and fight against this or I don't know it's just like everyone's seen I mean speaking of oblivion Brian oblivion everyone just kind of (laughs) seems oblivious as to what's happening or like when for example when Masha finds out like it's not acting it's real why does she not do something to try to stop it or yeah it's it is confusing yeah it, it, again if, uh, it's obviously very different because the time is different and the director is so unique and i <laughs> like him a lot but like it reminds me of yeah like the wave of movies that came out post me too from famous male directors mm-hmm. that were like all right i gotta say something but what am i gonna say <laughs> and you're just for these ladies <laughs> girls <laughs> we've been pretty mean to them right yeah. and like just it all kind of is like even if the intent is good which it isn't always necessarily i think in cronenberg's case i don't feel animosity towards women i just like what do you really have to say yeah about you know but that's fine. I don't know. <laughs> is, there, um, is there anything else people uh, wanted to talk about? Nothing that I can articulate into words because <laughs> I can't understand what I saw. Mm. But fun fact. So I think a couple years before this, Cronenberg directed a movie called Scanners, which was a box oh, office yeah. success, mm-hmm. which led him to be offered Return of the Jedi. Wow. People are like, you should direct Return of the Jedi because Scanners was a hit. And he's like, no, I don't want to direct any material produced by other filmmakers. So he turned it down. But can you imagine 
what a Cronenberg Return of the Jedi would have been. I cannot. (laughs) Another fun fact, um, three different endings were shot for this movie. Um, Yes, I was once again consulting scholarly journal Wikipedia. Yeah, I was too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of them was the ending we see in the film, which was apparently james woods's idea he's like what if i shoot myself on the ship so jeremy's strong of him (laughs) (laughs) another ending was max bianca and nikki appear on the set of videodrome and bianca and nikki also have the slits in their abdomen out of which come like mutated sex organs like they pop out of their slits I like that more <laughs> and that would have been cool um and then another ending featured an orgy where max bianca and nikki have sex and there's different like i think body horror sex organs that are they're using in the orgy i feel like this is just like a really fun uh <laughs> illustration of how like yeah Cronenberg's just like horny he's like well here's yeah. three different horny endings and we'll just kind of see which one is the, the horniest i would love if it ended with the ladies if the ladies came back that would be yeah i mean that would be closer to what it seems like he wanted to but do now that i'm like if the girls had slits do you think cronenberg is thinking of it as a vagina or just a slit I don't I, know. I, I wonder if it never, it never even occurred to him. <laughs> oh, that would be embarrassing for him. Uh, if it, but I don't, I genuinely don't know. I like, uh, because all of his interview, uh, all the interviews around this, as Caitlin illustrated, are baffling and do not support <laughs> um, what I thought he was trying to say. So hilarious. I don't know. Have you seen Brand New Cherry Flavor? No. It's a show. I think I'm one of three people who have seen it, but there's a scene... <laughs> Where she keeps throwing up these cats, and because like a witch put a curse on her, Whoa. and she's like, I want to stop throwing up these cats, like stop it. And she's like, Fine, you won't throw up any cats. And then she gets a slit in her rib cage, and it's like this rib cage vagina, and she keeps like birthing these little cats. Oh. And then eventually she gets fucked in her rib cage vagina with a hand. Oh, it's very similar. I see. I love body horror so much. <laughs> I do too. I'm like, Why would you do that? stop i went to this like medieval museum and i was like oh my god people are putting boobs on necks you know Mm. a slit can go anywhere (laughs) i mean yeah uh the only other thing i wanted to comment on was and i think these characters are supposed to like represent the like industry and how the values of like the entertainment industry are usually weird because it's run by cishet white men mostly um but it's those guys who are like watching that porn in the beginning that they think is like too soft and innocent right and then just like the way that they're talking about like porn from east asia and how they can like capitalize on like uh-huh. fetishes and stuff like that it just like felt icky but i think it's supposed to be icky mm-hmm. but no one really challenges it in the scene so i'm not totally sure it doesn't come back either right well and then you have that like that exchange at the end that also felt very reagan era e where he's like north americans are too soft soft. yeah and i and it just felt like they were talking about stuff that 
super nationalistic people still talk about today of like, you know, everyone out east is coming for us. And I'm like, I don't oh, even yeah. know if oh, he was thinking war. about yeah 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 it did feel and the like mention very... of nato exactly mm-hmm. and then you're like and that's why we need to have snuff films in canada yeah and you're just like <laughs> uh-huh a little convoluted a little bizarre but yeah it just felt like that scene in particular was like so 80s in a way and i'm, I'm not trying to suggest that i think cronenberg feels that way obviously like the bad guys are the ones saying it mm-hmm. but um it was just like, well, what's all this then? Yeah. What, what is he trying to say? And then in the interviews, it seems like he's not sure. He doesn't know. However, he says that this movie passes the Bechtel test in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Tell me. It passes during the TV broadcast between Rena and Nikki. Oh, right. Ah. Rena says, what about it, Nikki? Is it socially positive? And she says, well, I think we live in overstimulated times. We crave stimulation for its own sake. We gorge ourselves on it. We always want more, whether it's tactile, emotional, or sexual. And I think that's bad. Uh, <laughs> and that's the exchange that passes. I mean, James Woods is there, but no one is talking to or about him. True. Wow. But then right after that, he's like... That's why it's you funny, hypocrite. Yeah. You're wearing a red dress, which is like the whole like, oh, but what was she wearing? Did she, was she asking for it? Is like right. the vibes that yeah. uh, conversation gives off. That's why I thought it was a funny pass because she immediately <laughs> is hit on and never speaks to a woman for the rest of the movie again. <laughs> right after that exchange, <sighs> it is. It's so true to life. You can pass the Bechdel test in real life, and then face yourself is great. <laughs> relatable yeah yeah well what about our nipple scale though the perfect metric on which we rate a movie zero to five nipples based on examining it through an intersectional feminist lens like uh, (laughs) um, i'll give the movie one vagina slit and interpret that how you will but what i mean by that is i'll give the movie one nipple because I think there is commentary to be made on the way media influences individuals and society. In fact, that is what our show is. We are commenting on that media influence. But This is basically Videodrome. We are Videodrome. If you were wondering what Videodrome was the whole time, the answer is... It's the Bechtel cast. (laughs) But I think we usually make sense and present a clear analysis, whereas I don't really know what Cronenberg is saying half the time. And he's often showing a bunch of brutalization of women in a way that I don't really know what his intentions are. And yeah, just uh, not really characterizing the women in a way that makes any sense and not letting them have fully fleshed out stories or really contribute anything to this story aside from and twist they were dead for a long time or mm-hmm. twist they were a hallucination or you know whatever i it, none of it makes sense to me and i'll give it one nipple <laughs> who gets and it and i'll give it to debbie harry mm-hmm. i'm going to i i'm going to go two and a half on this one i um I agree with you, Caitlin. I think that this movie is uh, like kind of like, I mean, it's visually incredible, but story-wise really messy and confusing. And it sounds like Cronenberg struggled to get this movie to a place where it even sort of made sense and it still kind of doesn't. (laughs) But I'm going to give it two and a half because I like the women that we meet. Uh, I think that 
at least the first half of this movie I really enjoyed um, because you get a wide spread of women. Uh, they have a wide spread of opinions. We know what their jobs are. They're cool. It seems like the movie respects them. And then in the back half, that kind of goes away in a way that I found really frustrating and then tried to end on this like sort of pro-woman sort of anti-media message that fell flat because I just feel like the James Woods character is just like so repugnant that I struggled with it. Yeah. Um, but I think it was like an attempt to say a lot of things. I think I agreed with what he was saying for the most part. And I just like David Cronenberg. So I'm probably ranking it too high. Two and a half nipples from me. I'm going to give one to Debbie Harry. I'm going to give one to Masha. And mm. I am going to give one to the waiter that, or the half to the waiter that Masha had sex with. Mm. Yeah. Melissa, how about you? Um, I think I'm going to give it three stars. And I think stars? it's a oh, three stars. I'm sorry. Is. I'm sorry. Three nipples. Un three nipples. Believable. Mm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the stars are over the nipples, mm -hmm. <laughs> covering them up because 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 we can't be seeing sex. It's too scandalous, and it'll corrupt us all. Exactly, and we're not in Canada, and um, <laughs> yeah. we can't see lewd stuff on local mm -hmm. access television or whatever. Um, <laughs> I think. Well, I think I just like. I don't know if he's like the first guy to like do this, but I, it is interesting seeing like similar imagery, like in movies now, like in cam or like even in big mouth where mm -hmm. a kid gets so like addicted to his phone that the phone starts like horny talking to him. And like, mm. I, I found it fun for him to, I like seeing him like explore these ideas of like, like addiction to screen and sex and corruption and, and like a mm. almost not primitive way but just like in the, it's like the beginnings of someone thinking about this <laughs> and it's never like yeah. fully formed thought but I'm like oh yeah like people are still thinking about this and you know worried about like brain damage with screens and um mm -hmm. porn and and that kind of thing and I also I really liked the the Debbie Harry character the Masha character it was, it was cool to see an older woman be, be funny and, and sassy. And I think, I mean, as like fucked up as it is, the, the scene where he's like whipping the screen and she's on it is like mm -hmm. really auteur interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think like, I'm like, what if a woman did this? I think maybe it would be better. <laughs> um, yeah, I, for yeah. sure. Well, it's like, and I feel like Cronenberg's work at least paved the way for women's body horror that I like much better. I feel like yeah, without totally. Cronenberg, you probably wouldn't have a Julia Ducourneau down the line. Absolutely. True. Um, yeah. So I appreciate it from that because, yeah, I just feel like, uh, because she's my favorite. Right. Yeah, and I think she's a lot more successful and and like talking about grand unified theory of female pain or whatever <laughs> mm -hmm. and, or whatever yeah or, or whatever <laughs> um so yeah and I watched it and I was like oh yeah this is kind of a similar to my book but as a woman of woman a video drum experience <laughs> I'm like oh I think I I explored it in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But you'll have to read my book to understand what I mean. And okay, so the three nipples go to Debbie Harry and oh, the the girl who wakes him up in the morning. 
and is like, this is your wife. Oh, Bridie, his assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Bridie. She was cool. And I'm going to give one to the to the chest pussy. Mm-hmm. The Ashman slit. Hell yeah. She so hard. VCR, vi- video cassette recorder, more like vagina cassette oh. recorder. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me again. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. And remind us where uh, we can get your book and where we can find you on the internet. You can get my book wherever they're sold, preferably not Amazon, um, mm. local bookstore, bookshop.org, eBay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can follow me at ello melissa on all social media platforms Woohoo! Mm-hmm. hell yes you can follow us on social media platforms at Bechtelcast. you can go to our patreon slash matreon mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash where you'll get two bonus episodes every single month plus access to the back catalog of well over 100 bonus episodes and you can also get our merch at tpublic.com slash the bechtel cast with that let's pull a gun out of our slits and video drone yep (laughs) let's video drone all the way home boom boom boom. (laughs) Bye. bye infinity presents a new chapter in luxury The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you one at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Iberostar Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.